Good afternoon and welcome into Two Man Game here on ClavesOnline.com. I'm Matthew Rocchio. That's Bob Ramsey. We're here to talk a little Billikens basketball as the A-10 conference winning streak continues for the Billikens. Before we jump into this, though, I want to welcome, of course, my co-host, Bob Ramsey. Rammer, how are you doing today, sir? It's great to see you, Rock. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. I'm uh, I'm already just, you know, ready for the snow. You know, I'm, 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 you know, I have my milk and eggs because that's apparently what we do in, that's what we do. in the Midwest. We make French toast when we get snowed in. So, you know, I'm prepared. Well, that's good. Uh, I just got over a little uh, 48-hour flu bug. I was down pretty hard yesterday, but um, I bounced back and I'm ready to go and talk some hoops. Well, the St. Louis bye week uh, hit perfectly then for Bob Ramsey and the vocal cords on KMOX. So he's got a little bit of a little bit of time to rest up before the game against Davidson on Friday. We're here to talk about some things that have just happened because we haven't got to do that just yet. Those are two wins for the Billikens, one over Loyola Chicago in Chicago, and then of course the win over LaSalle over the weekend. The big storyline from both of these wins, I think, has to be the play of Sincere Parker. He comes out, he has a huge yep. half uh, in the first half to give to put SLU back into the game. Uh, that would look like it might be slipping away from them in, in a bad way on on the road. And then on Saturday, same thing. They kind of stagnate a little bit, but little splash plays throughout the first half kept them in. And then Sincere Parker finishes with a career-high 20 points. You tweeted out some great stats. We were, we were throwing some back and forth between Did ourselves. Did you like that? As well. I like that as well. Go ahead and hit the uh, podcast listeners now. Rammer, hit them with the stats. Well, you start to talk about efficiency and um, a lot of people wondering about minutes played and all those sorts of things. So in the last two games, since he's played 35 minutes, and in those 35 minutes, he's scored 33 points. It doesn't get much better than that. No, it doesn't. It really doesn't. And again, uh, the efficiency has been also just absolutely monstrous when you look at what he's been able to do. Uh, 13 of 16 from the field, 4 of 7 from deep combined across those 35 minutes and those 33 points. So it's not just the big numbers. It's also just the the efficiency, what he's able to do overall. And it's really just been an incredible thing. Just overall, describe your thoughts before these two-game explosions. Decide, describe your thoughts on kind of the preseason and, and even like going into last season, watching it mobily, the hype of Sincere Parker and how it kind of developed and how you thought we, you saw him develop so far throughout this season. Yeah, you know, um, he is proof that going from any other level to Division I basketball, there is an adjustment. Can you adjust in the preseason? Can, can you just get a few games under your belt and get after it? Typically, that's not the case. Typically, it takes a little bit of time. Um, whether you go back to ancient history, when H. Waldman came over from Vegas, that was simply a transfer, not even a JUCO thing. You're just getting a new program, new terminology, new expectations, new demands from a coaching staff on what you're trying to accomplish. Um, uh, I know you want to talk a little bit about what, who he was at Moberly, where the ball's in his hands all the time, versus now where you're part of a team and trying to make things work for the entire team. And I know that and those things take adjustment. And then if you're going to play, you got to defend, right? And mm -hmm. so how quickly can you acclimate yourself to the 
the specific team demands of uh, what they expect on defense and, and then all the terminology and technique that goes with that. The thing is we're seeing now, and it's been maybe a little more gradual or slower than we'd hoped, but Parker is, you know, it's, it's coming up big in, in virtually every category. Exactly. And I, I thought this was interesting. So I pulled it. I wanted people to watch. It's a little lengthy, but I just thought, Travis Ford, after the game against LaSalle, I thought he broke down all of this really well. Just the mentality, the way that he comes at it from his personal coaching style, just how how tricky it is to make that transition. And you talk about the offense, the defense. And I also thought he had some great comments on uh, maybe maybe the mistake uh, for not putting Sincere Parker in in the second half. So this was Travis Ford uh, after the game against LaSalle talking about Sincere Parker. On a team that has some decent players on it and some good players. Some nights, some guys aren't going to play as much as they maybe normally would or have been in the past or whatever reason. And But can you still support your teammate and still be positive on the bench and the next day because Sincere Parker has? Sincere Parker at this time last year was averaging 35 points a game and playing 40 minutes a game and leading his team to a national, a national tournament in Hutch. And he's playing and all of a sudden you come and you're not playing as much, and the coach is, like, criticizing every defensive possession, and you're not used to playing defense. Like, oh, I've never had to play defense before. Well, you're going to have to play defense in order to play on this team. And he has stuck with it. He, he, you're talking about a guy that has a smile on his face every single day. My man is one of the most polite, happy-go-lucky guys I've ever been around, and I know he's been gut-wrenched at times because he wants to be out there. He wants to be out there. And there was, a, there was a big time. My wife even asked me, why did I not put Sincere Parker in second half? Uh, true story. And I'm like, everybody has a role. Everybody has a role. His role was to come in the first half of Loyola and get us 13 points. And if we need you the second half, then we get – but we were fine. He was great. He was great. Do I think he was thinking over there, I had 13, why didn't he – maybe. But he didn't care. I mean, he's like, well, I'm glad we won. I'm glad we won. But, yeah, my wife asked me that. So I'm like, all right, I hear it from enough people. Uh, but uh, everybody's got a role to play. And that role can change within a game. It can change within a game. We're trying to get to the end with more points than the other team, period. You know, that's really good stuff, Rock. Um, and I think uh, one of the things when you talk about the personality, I'm not going to pretend I know Sincere Parker, but being around him for the last four or five months, um, he really is a delightful young man, and uh, you never see any sulking or pouting, nothing but positive, and also um, almost nothing but really positive stuff on the court as well. First time I saw him get after it, I guess it was last September, out on the court, I'm going, oh, my. And didn't he, didn't he tell you asked him a question after the news conference, after the game, didn't he give you a, a pretty cool answer? Yeah, I, my main thing, because and I, I was just about to get into this, after, um, and, and it was, if you go into the first half, um, and, and I'm really bummed because um, there's not a good job of the uh, network that was covering it, posting these highlights, um, but he had those two layups in, early in the first half. Yeah. And and both of them, he made a little dribble move kind of in, 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 the, in the phone booth. With you know yeah. two guys huddled around him in the paint, and then he was able to finish. And so my question to him was like, you know, you had two of these pretty sweet moves. I'm like, 
have St. Louis fans even seen half of your bag of moves? And he's like, no, not really. And I, I, you know, it's just kind of a flow thing for him. He get, he just kind of, he comes up with these things in the moment, whatever he needs to do to score. And if you, if you just go back and watch those two buckets, they were both um, around like the nine or 10 minute mark. I want to say yeah. it was just the, it's one thing when you can make a move out on the wing and beat a guy one-on-one with, with, with one move and then some foot speed. But when you can make multiple moves, when there's two guys on you, when one guy's on your hip and one guy's in front of you, and you know to make a move in that kind of phone booth, just to open yourself up and get yourself a little bit more space, that's the kind of stuff when people describe like that's an NBA move, that's an NBA kind of thing. You yeah. combine that, you combine that thing with something else I saw, which is he's a guy who knows – that how to get the right kind of contact when he goes up. He's never afraid of the contact. When he goes up and you give him and you're covering him too much, he knows exactly how to put his his body into it, his shoulder into it, and then come off it and get himself a nice little shot. And he did it a couple of times against LaSalle. It those little things differentiate a guy who can give you twelve to fifteen and maybe a twenty point game if he gets a couple of wide open shots, and a guy who can consistently go out there and when things are slogging down, just get you a bucket after bucket after bucket. I mean, he has that in his game, and I thought the last 30 minutes are a great example of it, albeit a small sample size. But you pair that with the big explosive moments, the three-point shooting. You, and, and Travis talked about the defense. I thought, again, he had a great defensive game against LaSalle. I mean, he, he, was, he got a, his hands on um, – he got a steal on, in transition. He got his hand on another ball, kind of swiping at it. He got another big block. You compare it to his block uh, in shape, it's a few like a month and a half ago when he came flying yep. out of nowhere for it. Yep. I mean, the athleticism is there, the effort's coming, and that's defensively. He's already a superstar offensively. It's hard not to get hyped up about this kid. I'm glad you mentioned the block shots because um, one thing he is uh, he's so smooth when he plays, it sometimes hides his athleticism. Yeah, and as time goes on. Maybe we'll see more of it this year. Maybe it won't be till next when he's one of more of the focus guys in the offense. But you're going to see this guy just do some crazy stuff that'll blow your mind. People will be on their feet. The sky is absolutely the limit. He's gonna he's gonna do some great things. Absolutely. And kind of rounding back to the Loyola game, two things I wanted to talk about from that. First of all, uh, Javante Perkins had a little bit of a slower game against LaSalle. He got some big shots in the second half when they needed him. But and that kind of stunted what you know what would have been you know another t- big topic in, in, in this episode. But really quickly, you go back to the GW explosion. You combine it with Loyola Chicago. Just Javante Perkins, he's coming back. And the crazy thing is, is he's coming back exactly the way you would have expected if you were watching a lot of slew basketball two years ago when he was completely healthy. You know, it's it's against Loyola. All of a sudden, he starts murdering him from the free from the free throw line. And, and it's these scoop layup shots, and it's this, it's these you know pull up threes. It's the same kind of game he had before the injury. It's just and it's coming back to him now. Travis said uh, after LaSalle that he's not yet 100. percent I think physically he is, but I think Travis is probably referring to that game, that game mindset, that game speed kind of thing. Because I think clearly, clearly we've seen something different from the medical 100 percent to the almost kind of basketball 100 percent he's at now. Well, and I want to remind everybody, he's still only 14 months out of major surgery. Mm-hmm. It's only 14 months. And I think it's going to be another three or four, probably the end of the season, 
before that knee is as healthy as it's going to be. And then he had that pretty bad ankle injury. So now he's not as hobbled as he was even one month ago. And I think you're starting to see some of those things. And then, as you point out, the confidence that comes with knowing you now can trust your body. That's big. Yeah. I know a lot of people were wondering if they were going to start seeing him in those sets. And all of a sudden, he started hitting the free throw line, pulling up for that jumper. And it was it was really working yeah. for him. The other big thing from the Loyola game I wanted to talk about that wasn't really – that was surprising to a lot of people was Gibson Jimerson leading them in assists. And here's why, Rammer, I'm not surprised by that. Because I think you saw it also – in the game against LaSalle, if you were watching, which is a lot of the times when they send him off those high curls off the top of the key, he catches it and he'll either pull for a three or drive. But lately, starting about the conference turn, they started doing a little slip and roll where the guy he rolls off of, usually Francis Lecor or Jake Forrester, will just wait a second, he'll catch the ball, take a step, yeah. and then they slip and you see Gibson, a lot of times, it kind of almost looks like a hook shot the way he passes it to him because it's really quick in the motion. They've been doing that little slip and roll for about five, six, seven games now, and there were just not a lot of people were hitting the, the Francis and, and Jake just weren't, weren't converting. There should have been a couple of games where he only had one or two assists where he should have had three or four. And so I honestly wasn't that surprised that it spiked, especially in a game coming right off of GW where, where Yuri was, was injured and they were doing a lot more of those kind of things. So I wasn't necessarily surprised by it. I really liked to see it because it continued then to the LaSalle game, and it wasn't just in those sets. It, throughout the LaSalle game, and it wasn't just Gibson Jimerson. This has been one of my pet peeves. The extra passes the, by people not named Yuri Collins were finally there. Gibson had, had a couple nice skip passes where he was, he kept his eyes up. He was able to throw it. Javon Pickett had a couple uh, nice skip passes where he kept his eyes up and made the pass. That's been, I think, honestly, the biggest, you know, tertiary offensive problem with St. Louis has been everybody not named Yuri Collins not being as available the passer as they could be. And I think that yeah. Gibson obviously did it against Loyola, and I think you saw it against LaSalle. Yeah, and I think um, uh, Travis, I think, uses the word stagnant and that you know end up just standing and watching a little bit too much and I think you're right these are examples of trying to learn to come out of those situations where things may start to bog down be available and look for those extra passes be available to receive the extra pass now you've got ball movement particularly side to side and that's how you're going to end up getting the open shot yeah, if if Javon Pickett, Jake Forrester, and Francis Socorro start hitting, the, you know, the, the hitting passes to the wings on those short rolls, that would just completely open up a new level. I think of just open shots for this St. Louis offense. It'll be interesting to see if if they if they start doing that because right now the, the opportunities are there. They're just not necessarily converting on it. The last big thing I wanted to touch on today, Ram, was obviously Francis Socorro, twenty rebounds, just an incredible game from him. Uh, tore it up offensively was everywhere he needed to be defensively. I, I thought it was a big game for him. And when you consider, go back, if you go to stltoday.com uh, or, or pick up the Post-Dispatch, Sudorano did a great piece on Francis Okoro and kind of the, the, the fight that he's been through personally off the basketball court and on over the last few years. It was an incredible story. And then to watch him put up that kind of game and, just, and to hear him after the game talk about his confidence and his aggressiveness offensively I was really impressed with that, and, and I think they get they get anything like that from Francis Okoro on a night on a game by game basis, 
and it really changes a lot of the conversations we had towards the end of the non-conference schedule. You know, LaSalle had more and they had more bigs and they were playing two at a time most of the night. After a while, they figured out it wasn't working because he was out working one or two guys at a time. Um, the Drame twins, Decore, um, Shepard, who am I leaving out? I mean, they had bodies out there. Yet Okoro was the one getting to the ball. You know, he dives on the floor for a loose ball with a guard, you know, those kinds of things. Um, and, and what I like is that he puts out the extraordinary effort and then gets the extraordinary results and reward. That helps a coach, um, you know, that helps a coach, you know, back that up, what he's been saying all along. See, I told you. Athletics, basketball is a work reward system. The harder you work, the better the rewards will come. So that's why I thought that was a particularly big game uh, for him moving forward. I I felt like we kept getting closer to that, but then there'd be maybe a step back, two steps forward, one step back. But this was a huge step forward all the way around. Which is funny, though, because the rest of the team didn't have a great rebounding game. And if you were watching the game, Travis was – the entire game that was bothering him, and after the after the game, I, I pointed out to him they're they're leading they were leading the A10 going into the game with like an 82% defensive rebounding percentage, and that's Travis's big stat that he always talks about. And in this game, they had um, I I I calculate defensive rebounding percentage as you take your defensive rebounds, you take their offensive rebounds, and that's and whatever you're because that's how many board that's how many balls were up in the air at one point in the game, and you take and that's your defensive percentage. They're usually at about 82% for the season. They were at 70% against LaSalle. So that's not what you want yeah, to they see. Yeah, had 16, they had 16 offensive rebounds. Yes, to, yeah, to 34 defensive total for the, for, for the Billikens. So that, that gets you, that gets you, I think, that 70% right there, 34 out of, uh, out yeah. of the 50. So, I mean, just not what you want to see um, if you're the Billikens. So I, there was a lot of, of, you know, he was he was getting on the guys, especially late in the game. He was doing some coaching with some some available uh, uh, gym time, I guess, because he, he was letting some of the guys know that the the rebounding wasn't good enough, and you know that that's something that Travis is going to harp on always. Yeah, um, you can't, and and I think what happens sometimes is you you see a Coro out there going after everything again. It almost goes back to the offensive thing. It's human nature to kind of stand and watch, um, but really, there's only two things, maybe a third thing. If you want to split hairs, when a shot goes up, you're either boxing out, going to get it or getting back on defense. If you do if you're not involved in one of those three activities, you're messing up. Yeah. That's a, that's a, that's a great point. Great point as well. Well, Rammer, that's going to wrap up our episode for today. We're going to be back later on in the week to talk about the uh, Davidson game coming up for the Billikens. I know a lot of people are, uh, they're terrified of, of that game in, in Bell yes. Arena and obviously has not gone great for St. Louis in the past. So we'll, we'll talk uh, coming up later this week about if St. Louis can break the curse at Belk. But until then, Rammer, this has been another episode of the two man game. Thank you so much for joining me. Before we go, tell everybody about our wonderful friends at Royal Banks. Royal Banks, whether you're in a snowpocalypse or the weather is beautiful, when you go to your neighborhood bank, Make it Royal Banks, because even as they've expanded over the years, each and every branch locally feels like your hometown bank branch. Royal Banks of Missouri, where better service means better banking.
There it is. Thank you so much for joining the show today. Again, Bob Ramsey, you have a great rest of your day. You have a great rest of your day, St. Louis. We'll be back talking more basketball on the two-man game later on. St. Louis Acura has an unbeatable selection of new and pre-owned vehicles. We have over 200 vehicles on hand and in transit. Get the new 2023 MDX or Integra with up to $1,000 in loyalty. Rebates and financing as low as 3.9% for 60 months. You can also lease the 2023 MDX for as low as $599 a month. Or get a pre-owned certified MDX with 3.99% financing. St. Louis Acura, better than ever for you.